already talked to Freddie about this. Fred, tell us about your threads. I mean, I dressed up just for you. <laughs> you know, I got my got my Jim Beam boots. You know. Uh, oh, yeah, look, you got you got the boots there, the patented boots. You know, I, I don't wear you know jackets very often, but for Matt and you, I dressed up. I'm not as fancy like you and have the ascot. You know, in time. Sure. But you also have chest hair, so I I don't have chest hair. <laughs> I put that on too. <laughs> Welcome back to another great episode of Bourbon Pursuit. And let's go through a little bit of the highlights because we're still in Bourbon Heritage Month. And this means that it's nothing but bourbon 30 days of the month. But let's be real. It seems like Bourbon Heritage Month is maybe every single month for most of us. But we were at Kentucky Bourbon Festival this past week. We are at Bourbon Bonanza. Thank you to everybody that came out, said hi to us. It's always a pleasure to meet some of the listeners, uh, as well as see a lot of great old friends. And if you were lucky enough, you got a chance to sip and savor one of Bourbon Pursuit's newest ventures that we'll be able to talk about here, hopefully even sooner. Now, as we start talking about bourbon festivals, Bourbon Heritage Month, the biggest music festival that features bourbon is coming this Saturday. We've been talking about it forever and we're finally here, Bourbon and Beyond. Yeah, you can see me, Kenny, talk at three o'clock on Saturday. Ryan is gonna be at six o'clock p.m. Come say hi to us, sit down, watch our sessions, watch Fred's sessions, uh, watch Brian and Blake's sessions. Make sure you go because we're going to be picking the brains of the brightest people in the industry and uh, say hi to us. We're going to sit around and listen to some good music and drink some bourbon together. So it'll be fun. Now, another thing that came into the mail this this week was also the mentioning that tickets are now on sale for the next season of the Kentucky Derby Museum's Legend Series. If you're unfamiliar with it, go to bourbonpursuit.com, look at our podcast, find the ones that are tagged with Kentucky Derby, or should I say Legend Series, and you can see what it's all about. It's a fantastic event where you get to see Fred Minnick be the MC and interview some of the brightest people around, and you can kind of hear their stories. But this season, we've got Pam and Andrea of Michter's. There's going to be Craft Night featuring Rabbit Hole, Jephthah Creed, and the Peerless Founders. And there's also going to be Dixon Dedman of Kentucky Owl. This happens once a month, and the first one begins in January. So go and buy your tickets at derbymuseum.org slash legendseries. Now, for the podcast, we got to say we're being selfish by promoting this, but our barrel picks are getting strong. I mean, we are we are building on top of this uh, more and more. And we actually had the opportunity to be uh, a chance to actually meet Tony from Keg and Bottle this past week. He came in for Bourbon Festival and he brought along a little bit of a surprise. He had the ability for us to choose a whistle pig barrel while he was here. And if you haven't had the opportunity, we put it out on all the social media channels uh, so you could watch it on YouTube live. So if you're interested, go to YouTube, go to our YouTube channel and you can watch the whole barrel pick happen. It went about an hour and then there was an hour we kind of talked about other San Diego crafts and everything like that as well. But as I had mentioned, we were choosing a barrel and we couldn't come away with just one. So we chose two. And so you're gonna see Smooth Curveball and Icy Legs coming to the Patreon community here in a few short weeks. 
And also a big shout out to our Patreon community that's based in the Virginia and DC area because on Tuesday, they picked out a Joseph A. Magnus barrel. And today, Ryan and I are also with even more members of the Patreon community and we're picking out our Four Roses barrel. So if you're keeping track, that's four barrel-proof bourbons that we're bringing to the Patreon community here. So this is your chance to get a part, not only to be and join in these barrel picks, but as well as to get a bottle from them as well. So go to patreon.com slash bourbon pursuits, sign up to be a part of the community. So that's a lot of barrels to kind of hopefully, maybe we're not wrapped up through the year because I said there's still some more things that we have to announce, but we are going big. I think that's like 16 barrels, maybe 17 that we've done for our Patreon community just in 2018 and a lot more to come in 2019. The Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame is a group of established as well as admired individuals that get inducted, and this year was really no exception. And there's really probably one person that we think of as the star of this, and that's because whiskey geeks know him personally. They have some sort of uh, felt connection with him, A, because he's been on the podcast before, right? But B, you can go and take a tour at Buffalo Trace and shake his hand and get a chance to personally hear his side of the story and listen to him tell stories as well. And that's Freddie Johnson. But also the contributions brought by the others that are being inducted to this 2018 class are equally as valuable. I guarantee you, you're going to find a lot of great gems and a lot of insider information that you're going to be able to take back and learn and know more about the contributions that these individuals have brought to bourbon as a larger whole. Now, today's episode is going to be a combination of sound bites that were taken during the red carpet opening, as well as the speeches that were done from the induction ceremony. Bourbon Pursuit was given exclusive recording access, so it's the first time ever that this event is actually being able to be brought to you. And the general public doesn't normally get the opportunity to do this, so it's our great pleasure to bring you this exclusive insider experience. So if you want more exclusive insider experiences to be able to hear things like this or the Derby Museum's Legend series, make sure you hit that subscribe button on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you're more of a video person, you can do that on YouTube or Facebook. And if show notes are really hard to read, go to burnpursuit.com, sign up for our newsletter or maybe our mailing list. We only email through the podcast or which new releases are coming. So every Thursday morning, you get the show notes as well as all the links to show you where to get everything that we're talking about. And as always, Patreon is how we build this community and how we support this podcast. We've got cool things such as t-shirts, koozies, stickers, patches, bottle tote bags, and of course, we had mentioned we're going super strong with barrel picks and we've got even more things to be announced with it. So make sure you go to patreon.com slash bourbon pursuit and then you can see all the barrel picks that we have lined up, the ones that we've done in the past because the bottles still haven't come in yet. So you still have a chance to get your hands on these bottles, even if you haven't started subscribing through Patreon yet. And of course, social media is where we post almost all the time. And that's how you would have known more about the whistle pig barrel that we had picked too. So make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. With that, enjoy this week's episode. And here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This past week, I picked up my magazine, Bourbon Plus, for the first time. I actually kind of pet it like a kitty cat, and its soft cover really warmed my hand and made me feel all 
warm inside. And I was really excited about it. You know, it was a dream come true, something I'd always wanted to do. For years, I was everyone else's writer. Now, I'm the editor-in-chief. So what do I select to celebrate such a momentous occasion? Do I pick one of the rare Pappy Van Winkles, break open a Buffalo Trace Antique collection, or do I dip into my old Dusties and taste what someone like the Will McGill would have made back in the 1950s? That's it's a Weller. None of the above. See, to me, bourbon has always been about friendships. While I do love the flavor and I'm excited about the history, it's really about the friends I've made over the years that make it special. And there was one bottle in my collection that embodied the friendships I've made more than any other. It's a Maker's Mark private selection. I selected it with several of my writing colleagues. You know these names. The legendary Chuck Cowdery, the avuncular and well-received Lou Bryson, and the cocktail writer Michael Deitch. These guys are the best. And we sat in the room at Maker's Mark and actually argued over what tasted better. And the one that was victorious and we ended up bottling was not my favorite. But as I poured it and I tasted it, I thought of those times that we were together and we were talking about the whiskey, we were talking about our careers and how we all kind of got into the bourbon world. And of course, Lou Bryson used to edit me and now Chuck Cowdery and Lou are both writing for Bourbon Plus. And I realized that this whiskey was absolutely perfect to celebrate the occasion. So the next time you're about to celebrate something, I recommend picking something that you tasted with friends. Because you know what? It tastes a whole lot better when your buddies helped you pick it out. And that's this week's Above the Char. Hey, if you've got an idea for Above the Char, hit me up on Twitter, at Fred Minnick, or Instagram, at Fred Minnick. Until next week, cheers. And they're off for another Get 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at give270.org. Charitable gaming license ORG 000 from their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits 
and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to NoseYourBourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. Freddie, no. How's it going? Now, I know you're here to see Matthew Shattuck get inducted into the Bourbon Hall of Fame. He's kind of taking you under his wing a little bit as the CEO of uh, Beam Suntory. What's he been like to work with? You know, working with Matt's been great. You know, Matt, right before I graduated college, he said, I'd like to be your mentor. And uh, we've kept up regularly about once a month since then. And it's just, it's been a great uh, working relationship, great friendship. And I consider Matt a, a big part of our family. Now you're uh you he's kind of giving you the giving you a little bit more leeway than your father got you know case in point as little book you know uh, I can't see your father ever getting away with little book you know back in the the eighties and nineties so tell us the inspiration behind that uh, the, the inspiration behind little book or Matt yeah 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 little book yeah, yeah. the inspiration behind little book. You know, it's just to, to kind of do what my granddad did, to release a new product to, to consumers to enjoy. You know, that's something new, unique, and different each year. A little bit different from Booker's, but always wanted to be uncut, unfiltered, and just to kind of pay homage to granddaddy. Right, where is your dad? He's over here. Oh, get in over He's here, hiding. Fred. He's trying to hide. Come on over here. All right, everybody, get get the F-bomb counter ready. Put a 10-second delay on? Yeah. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So, so you're going to get to see uh, Matthew Shattuck enter the Bourbon Hall of Fame. That's correct. And you're you're a hardcore, legendary, you know, family distiller. Um, is and he's a CEO. It's a little different for a lot of people seeing that the the CEO is getting the Bourbon Hall of Fame. Yeah, right. So tell tell us why every tell everybody back home why uh, why Matthew Shattuck is worthy of the Bourbon Hall of Fame. Well, during Matt's leadership of our company. He's made sure we had all the capital we need to expand, to make all the bourbon we can. And he supported us tooth and nail and fought for us. When budgets get tight, if we need it in Claremont, he takes care of us. And he's been a big supporter of the bourbon industry. Everybody. I mean, he's all he goes to meetings around the world for talking about for moderation and everything. He helps, you know, fight off the the people that are trying to give us a hard time. Probably one of the biggest uh, assets or one of the one of the biggest uh, accolades I could give him is he's put up with you all these years. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm yeah, told good. he's a good man. You don't have to worry about him, Matt. He's, he's got it covered. Now he's got Freddie. So, you know, and he was a great mentor for him, uh, bringing him into the industry. So, you know, it's been uh, Matt's been a big part of our family since he came into being. Let's talk about that a little bit. When you were coming up the ranks, you you didn't get the CEO of Beam to kind of walk you into it. What the hell's that about? Well, I had my father, you know, and fathers don't tend to take as good a care of their sons as other people do. And Matt, it was funny, we had a conversation while Freddie was still in college. And he said, you know, following yours and then your father's footsteps is not going to be easy for young Fred. What would you think if I became his mentor? And I said, Matt, I looked, I said, well, if you want him, he's yours. 
And it was amazing. The turnaround, it helped him in college. His grades went went up. He got excited about coming to work, and uh, Matt kind of brought him right in. At times, Matt would send me an email and tell me, congratulating me on his good grades, and I didn't even know the grades yet. He said, our boy's doing good. I said, well, I don't know. I haven't seen the report card. So. But it was good. It was great for well, Matt, and it was good. What were his grades? Just curious. After Matt, straight A's. That's, that's fascinating. What was your grade point average? We don't want to go there, Fred. You know the deal. You're trying to fish me out, aren't you? Oh, hey, by the way, what's the Jim Beam mash bill? Maybe you can squeeze it out of Matt. We'll see. Yeah. Well, you're, you're, Good luck on that. Your dad was the one who would tell people. He'd tell you, but you didn't know if it was true. As long as the number, like he always said, if the numbers add up to 100, how would you know if I was telling you the truth? Yeah. <laughs> Mr. The Shattuck, love to get a second with you if you can. Absolutely. Uh, Matthew Shattuck from uh, Beam, the CEO of uh, Beam Suntory. Congratulations Thank for getting much, inducted into the uh, Bourbon Hall of Fame. Thank you. What's this mean to you? It means a huge amount. It's a great honor, not for me, but for our business and all the hardworking folks in Beam Suntory around the world that are driving this amazing industry of ours. So you're looking at, you, you manage a lot of different spirits, uh, vodka, tequilas, rums. You've got everything. So it, does, does bourbon have a d- different, like, feel for you a different passion? Does it evoke a certain passion for yeah, me versus the other one? It does, and I think it comes from many things, but the heart of our business is the, this multi-generational living family legacy. The Nose, the Samuels, the generations upon generations of people who built this business, and that's the inheritance that we're the proud custodians of, and that's what we've got to build for the future. Now, one of the things that you've had to do is you've had to manage some pretty big Kentucky personalities. Who's harder to deal with? Bill Samuels Jr. or Fred No? That's a dead tie. Uh, they're equally <laughs> difficult and equally brilliant. And with that brilliance, but they're, they're wonderful people. And I'm extremely fond of both of them and look up to them. They are extraordinary people in our business. So when you're, when you're in a meeting with them, how many, are, are they dropping F-bombs? Are they telling you to screw off? What, what, what's this dynamic like? What happens inside Beam stays in Beam. I can't talk about that. <laughs> Now, one of the things that has, uh, in, in the last few years, you know, Beam Centauri has had a, a, a lot of a, a lot of bourbon headlines going back a couple years ago. There was the in- price increase of bookers, and then it was lowered a little bit. How involved are you when it comes to those uh, brand particular trending news stories that uh, come about that we see in the bourbon world, like the Booker's uh, price increase, for example. We're, we're all together in that, and that's decisions that we make, and trying to balance our supply with our demand in this growing industry is as much art as it is science, and we just try to get to the right place and do the right thing by our consumers. When you So when, there, when there's a decision being made at the brand level, do, do you ever, when do you get pulled in to you know, to sign off on something. It depends, but we empower our teams. They're clear about what the rules of the game are, and we like to, our our philosophy is let's empower those people closest to our consumers, closest to our customers, closest to our distilleries. Um, They know what to do, and they can get on with it. Japan's been a a pretty friendly ally for you uh, since they came aboard, you know, four years ago. And from from the bourbon consumers, we see a lot of, we see a lot of people who uh, come out against Beam Suntory sometimes saying that, well, it's, it's owned by Japan, and as a historian, I try to always point out to him that Japan's been a, played a very crucial role in, in bourbon history, you know, from uh, Blanton's being created for the Japanese market to the Japanese market also carrying the um, bourbon industry in the 1990s. Do you, ever, do, you, do you ever see the synergy in Japan uh, as, as being as strong as it was in the 90s. Is, is it as strong there as it was in the 1990s from a, a, 
an enthusiastic perspective? Yeah, our bourbon business in Japan is doing incredibly well. It's gone from strength to strength, particularly under Sorentori's ownership. The uh, Jim Beam Highball uh, is the preferred way of consuming beam in, in uh, Japan. And I think within the next few years, by the time of the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, it'll be our biggest export market. So it's a, it's a wonderful business. And the Japanese have been great owners. I mean, we run this bourbon business from here in Kentucky. That's the heart and soul of our business. That hasn't changed. And we are blessed to have a good partnership with Suntory. So all the people who say, oh, it's not an American-owned American company, you're saying that in actuality, it's an American-operated company. It's American-operated. They're American brands with very deep roots, and we benefit from our collective global scale and skill. And that's part of the beauty of our business. And for, for our ticketed guests and anyone who hasn't been to the Hall of Fame in a while, here's a quick rundown of about the next hour. And I promise you, we really do a good job of getting y'all out of here on time. While I'm the MC and color commentator, we have a tradition at the Hall of Fame regarding formal introductions. Since, as Rob mentioned, we're a distilling family that values collaboration and friendship, each inductee is introduced by someone from outside their distillery and, if possible, a current Hall of Fame member. So just in case you're wondering why someone from Jim Beam is introducing an inductee from Alltech, it's because bourbon does transcend brand lines. Yes, we are competitors. But very few industries have such a rich history of working together and cheering each other's success. Most of you know that the KDA was founded just a few blocks away from here in 1880 when a group of distillers gathered and recognized that they could accomplish more by working together than standing apart. Those early pioneering legends set our iconic industry on a path that we celebrate here today. That spirit of unity, especially in today's business and political climate, makes Kentucky bourbon authentic and unique, and I think it deserves a round of applause. Well, our next honoree is surely thrilled that there's a new no heir at Jim Beam to consent, continue the dynasty. Matthew J. Shattuck joined Bean Suntory, the world's third largest premium spirits company, in 2009 as president and CEO. Since that time, Shattuck has led the company's successful growth strategy transformation, emergence as a standalone public company in 2011, acquisition by Suntory, Suntory Holdings Limited in 2014, and the subsequent integration of the Beam and Suntory Spirits business. Matt is responsible for some of the world's most iconic spirits brands, including Jim Beam, Yamazaki, Maker's Mark, and Cavassier, more than 20 production and commercial facilities around the world, and a global team of more than 4,000 employees. He and his wife, Sue, and the three children reside in the Chicago area. To give us some insight into what it takes to grow and run a global company, and for the past eight years, lead Kentucky's largest city, we're honored today to welcome Louisville Mayor Greg Fisher. Well, good afternoon, everybody. Thank you, Eric. I want to thank the KDA who's marshalling uh, bourbon and bourbonism into this uh, wonderful future that we are experiencing. And it just, just, I think we're really at the beginning of this. And the Fraser, the Welcome Center here is just another example of the important piece of the puzzle, how this is all coming together to really be something that we all hoped for. And it's happening. And I still think we're really in the early stages of this game. So it's all very, very exciting. I want a special welcome to my fellow public servant over here, Judge Executive Dean Watts of Nelson County. Uh, you know, Louisville and Bardstown occasionally have a little wrestling going on about uh, bourbon, but there's no question that Bardstown is the bourbon capital. Louisville's the bourbon epicenter, okay? <laughs> 
Now, luckily, we're in Kentucky, so what we all know is there's plenty of bourbon to go around in Kentucky. So, Judge, just really appreciate our friendship and uh, the great camaraderie we have as we elevate bourbon for the entire world. So, welcome. Since joining Beam in 2009, Matt has led a growth strategy that started with creating famous brands, focusing in large part on Jim Beam, Maker's Mark, and the small batch bourbon collection. The company's sustained investment in bourbon brands has helped fuel the surging popularity of bourbon at home and abroad. Impressively, since Matt's tenure began, Jim Beam's global volume has grown more than 50%. Maker's Mark global volume has more than doubled, and the company's total bourbon volumes have increased by nearly 5 million cases. When the company was acquired by Suntory in 2014, Matt and his team seized on that opportunity to develop Japan into the fastest-growing export market for bourbon and Jim Beam. In 2018, Jim Beam and Maker's Mark are on track to achieve significant single-year milestones, 10 million cases sold for Jim Beam and 2 million for Maker's Mark. Incredible. Reflecting the company's confidence in the category's global growth prospects, 46% of the bourbon barrels currently aging in Kentucky belong to Beam Suntory. Under Matt's leadership, I've been especially excited to see Beam Suntory make significant investments here in downtown Louisville, establishing its global business services center on 4th Street Live and enhancing Louisville bourbonism by opening the popular Jim Beam Urban Stillhouse. And as I've gotten to know Matt, you over the years, I feel like I hear a little of that British accent that you grew up softening just a little bit with a little Kentucky lilt to the way you speak. And it's a beautiful combination, I must say. So I really appreciate Matt's partnership, his dedication and vision, and the fact that he understood right from the very beginning that in Kentucky, bourbon is much more than a drink, it's more than a product. It's part of our culture, our heritage, and our identity. So on behalf of my fellow Kentuckians, I'm honored to welcome a 2018 inductee into the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame. Please welcome Matt Shattuck. Well, Matt Fisher, it's uh, a true honor to receive this award from such a steadfast and unapologetic supporter of our bourbon industry on behalf of everyone in Beam Suntory. Thank you very much. I'd also like to uh, acknowledge my fellow inductees, uh, Max Shapiro from Heaven Hill and uh, Freddie Johnson and your incredibly moving words there and uh, the late Dr. Pierce Lyons. I had the privilege of meeting Dr. Lyons on a few occasions and each time I met him I was inspired by his vision and his wisdom and he surely will be missed by everyone in our industry. But to all of you and your families, thank you for all you do to support our industry. And I'd also like to um, reflect on Freddie's words because um, I think our industry is built on human connections and I'd like to say a special thank you to my friends and colleagues who are here today. Um, You are the thing I care about most in our business. And I'd like to say a special thanks to my wife, Sue. Uh, Without you, I am nothing, and uh, I love you very much. In fact, as we were preparing to come to this wonderful event, I was reflecting on my journey as a young man growing up in England and coming over to the States and becoming now a proud American citizen immersed in this bourbon industry. And I said, Sue, did you ever imagine in your wildest dreams that one day, she said, stop, before you go on, I want to make one thing quite clear. You are never in my wildest dreams. Um, But but I'd like to just, um, in accepting this incredible honor, focus on three dates. Um, 1795, 
1954 and 2030. So in 1795, Jacob Beam put his first whiskey in the barrel here in the worlds of Kentucky and so gave birth to what is today the world's number one global bourbon brand, Jim Beam. And through generations of unreasonable men and women, they have fought through thick and thin to preserve that legacy and make that recipe in that same family way. Uh, Colonel James Beam himself, in just 100 days after the repeal of Prohibition, built the distillery, rebuilt the distillery with his own bare hands. Booker No, almost 30 years ago, invented and created what we know today as the craft bourbon movement with the likes of Knob Creek and Basil Hayden's and the eponymous bookers and bakers who are in the room today. And then from there, Fred No, a legend in our industry, who has traveled the world tirelessly spreading the bourbon gospel and done so in his own unique and utterly brilliant way. And now passing the torch to his son, Freddie, who with his blending skills is pushing our industry to new frontiers of innovation. And as Eric said, we are all reassured by the fact that Frederick Booker V arrived last week and the future of our industry is that bit more secure. It's very exciting. 1954 is the other date I'd like to mention. That's when Bill Samuel Sr. tore up and burnt a 170-year-old family recipe because he believed the world needed a better whiskey and a better bourbon. And with his legendary wife, Margie, they in their own home created Maker's Mark. And then through their son, Bill Samuels, through his tireless efforts, one bar, one consumer at a time, he turned it into the American icon it is today. And now how exciting that he's passed the torch to Rob Samuels. Rob is now turning Maker's into the industry's first global craft bourbon and also pioneering himself with big innovations like Private Select. And I am absolutely honored that Fred and Freddie, Bill and Rob are joining us here today. It's an honor to be with you. And I tell those stories because I think as reflected in other comments, our industry, all of us in it today, stand on the shoulders of giants, these multi-generational living family legacies. And it's through their extraordinary vision and their craftsmanship that we are the inheritors today of the beautiful distilleries and products and brands of which we are the proud custodians. And that is our job, is to be good stewards of those legacies, to honor and respect them and protect them for the future, but to do more than that, to actually embody the pioneering spirit that caused those people to go out and risk it all to pursue their dreams because they could make the world a better place for their craft. And that's the one idea that motivates the four and a half thousand men and women of Beam Suntory every day to get up and take our wonderful brands and products from the bourbon industry to more adult consumers around the world. And that leads me to my last date, which is 2030. We've been doing a lot of thinking recently about the future of bourbon in our company, and we've laid out a vision that by 2030, bourbon will become the world's whiskey. And as such, it will take over from Scotch as the world's favorite whiskey. And I believe, and we believe, that based upon bourbon's unique and broadly appealing taste, its versatility, its mixability, that it has every grounds to fulfill that ambition. And indeed, with so many of the colleagues in the room today in the bourbon industry, we and others are laying the investment today so that we can reap those rewards many years into the future. So I do humbly accept this incredible honor on behalf of those four and a half thousand men and women of Beam Suntory who every day, inspired by these living family legacies, will do everything we can to ensure that truly bourbon does become the world's whiskey. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Thank you very, very much. Well, congratulations. So come on in here. So I'm doing a little red carpet here now. Oh, no. <laughs> and 
and you know you have a lot of fans out there. Uh, congratulations for uh, joining the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame. Thank you, thank you. This is uh, this is unbelievable. So um, proud moment for the family. But uh, how do I thank you as being a supporter of kind of some of the things that I do? So. Well, I tell you what. I, this is how you can think. I want you to tell me what your dad would think of this moment right now. He'd say, I'm still not doing the tours right. But he would be very, very proud that I'm standing right here with you right now. So Wait, now, you, you think your dad would be kicking your ass right now for not doing the tours right? You said it bluntly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, is it, what is it specifically that he would want you to do on the tours? Well, he always jokingly said whenever he would come down there, he would uh, let everyone know that he was my father. But then he would say, uh, I hope y'all are having a, a good time on this tour because he never does do them the correct way. So, <laughs> but then he would laugh, and, uh, but it was a proud moment for him that I was continuing on um, by uh, keeping a promise that I made to him that I would try to work there. And uh, that meant more to him than anything else I've ever done. Now, your father, in his own right, was uh, pretty iconic in the American whiskey business. Tell us, for the folks who are, are uh, don't know much about your father, tell us a little bit about Jimmy Johnson, Jr. Well, uh, Jimmy Johnson, Jr. was following in his father's footsteps, and my uh, grandfather was um, there with Colonel Blanton, and that's where the old honey barrel, uh, barrel selection process started. So they were there together for 52 years. And then my dad was there with, uh, uh, with uh, Elmer T. Lee. And uh, at 94 years old, dad had become the only living person to a person who handled every millionth barrel that's ever come through the distillery. But he worked with Elmer in the selection of the uh, single barrels used for Blanton's bourbon. So it was kind of a proud moment uh, to, uh, to kind of like be walking the footsteps of... Um, not only uh, dad and granddad, but Elmer and uh, Colonel Blanton and uh, Gary Gayhart. She's all those old guys that are Leonard Riddle and Ronnie Eddins. So uh, it's, it's a proud moment just to be a part of all of this. I never thought in my, in my wildest dreams that um, something like I would be standing right here right now. Well, I don't think it's a surprise for anybody who ever took a tour with you. My wife says, congratulations. We just had a little one here, so she couldn't be here to uh, kiss you on the cheek like she always does. <laughs> well, congratulations, and uh, thank you again. And I've got my uh, grandson and my daughter with me, and uh, I've already started working on him. And uh, he'll be rolling out the uh, eighth millionth barrel with me. He just did the seven millionth with me, and hopefully he'll uh, continue on the legacy uh, after I'm no longer able to roll barrels. Well, you know, I think I can speak for everyone from Bourbon Country. And, you know, we're here with the Bourbon Pursuit. You know, I'm starting a magazine, Bourbon Plus. The bourbon is in our culture. It's who we are. And you signify bourbon as good as anybody, Freddie. Such an honor. So proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT 
at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point of sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone. Transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Freddie Johnson is a third-generation employee at Buffalo Trace Distillery and serves as its distillery VIP visitor lead. Born in Paris, Kentucky, Freddie's family moved to Frankfurt when he was five years old. It was there that Freddie enjoyed hunting, fishing, and hanging out with his paternal grandfather, Jimmy Johnson Sr., and father, Jimmy Johnson Jr., at what is now Buffalo Trace Distillery. Freddie was in the middle of a successful career as a network operations engineer in Atlanta when he put all of it aside to fulfill a promise he made to his father, Jimmy, more than 20 years earlier. He had promised his father that he would work at the distillery during his lifetime so they could say that three generations of the Johnson family had worked at Buffalo Trace. Freddie took early retirement and moved back to care for his father and brother. Jimmy got him a job as a tour guide at the distillery in 2002, but Freddie has been in and around the distillery since he was five years old. As VIP distillery lead, Freddie weaves together his childhood memories with the distillery's rich history as he entertains thousands of people each year at various tours around Buffalo Trace. One of the distillery's most popular and highly sought after tour guides, Freddie's smile, wisdom, and infectious personality embodies and elevates the visitor experience and made him an instant star of the bourbon documentary, Neat, The Story of Bourbon. We're fortunate today to have the producer and filmmaker behind Neat to tell us more about Freddie and what he means to our signature industry. Please everyone join me in welcoming A.J. Hohalter. It's not about the whiskey. It's about the lives you touch and the people you meet, and the whiskey is just a byproduct of a good relationship. Freddie Johnson told me that the first day I met him. Wasn't completely sure what it meant at the time, but we were interviewing him for the film and trying to get our bearings on what the story of bourbon really was all about. After hearing Freddie's story about his family, we went back to the drawing board. We erased everything we had done to that point and we started over. Um, we had to make the heart of bourbon the heart of Freddie. Uh, Freddie has a way of making bourbon about more than just bourbon. He uses it as a springboard to teach us all about life, about time, and about what's most important. As a tour guide, Freddie is the front line of bourbon. A good tour guide can entertain and teach you something cool to take home to your family, but a Freddie tour 
that's a completely different experience. Uh, he takes normal people, maybe they like Mervin, maybe they don't, but once Freddie does his thing, they're hooked. And Freddie's energy, knowledge, and love for Bourbon is infectious. It's clear Freddie does what he does because he loves it and because he has to do it. It's in him. Uh, Freddie is on a, in a long, long lineage of great men who have carried the torch of Bourbon so that the story of Bourbon could look the way it does today. Freddie, I know your grandfather, your dad, and your brother would be so proud of you today, and they're looking down, proud of the man that you are. Um, you're a man of humility, a man of integrity, and a man that makes everyone you come in contact with feel like they're the most important person in the entire room. Like you said, it's not about the whiskey. It's about the lives you touch and the people you meet, and the whiskey's a byproduct of a good relationship. So thank you for teaching me about that relational aspect of bourbon. You've taught me to use bourbon as a way to cherish the people around me when I open that bottle, and for that, I thank you. So welcome to the Hall of Fame, buddy. All right. <laughs> um, first off, as a tour guide, I'm not supposed to be lost for words, but I am. Um, I'm happy I can be here. But I think about uh, not just my dad and my granddad. I think about... Um, folks from the other parts of the industry that I got a chance to do things with. A lot of times people will ask me about Buffalo Trace Distillery, and I will flip it on them, and I'll tell them about folks like Fred No. <laughs> I'll tell them about folks like Lincoln Henderson that I got a chance to spend time with. And he told me about the struggles, the struggles that he had gone through and how when he retired, his passion for doing something that he always wanted to do wouldn't let him rest. And from that came Angel's Envy. But he talked about that, and he helped me to understand um, a little bit more about what many of you here in attendance today go through. And uh, sometimes uh, even the experiments, it's not just Buffalo Trace's experiments, but the experiments that all of you are involved in that affect the lives of other folks. And they get excited about what you're doing. And to me, that's the, that's the springboard for the next generation. And what I try to get people to understand, and I'm gonna be short, okay? I try to get people to understand the bourbons and the whiskeys that we, th we so thoroughly enjoy today are the byproducts of the generation before us. Because if you think about it, all the bourbon that we are enjoying right now was produced by those before us 25 years ago. And the products that we are now making today is really for the next generation because our product for the next 25 years has already been made. So when you begin to think about what we're all about and what we're doing, and when we touch lives and we get people excited about bourbon, um, it's just the seed that we're planting for the next generation of bourbon connoisseurs. So I have my daughter and I have my grandson here. And um, I was very, very blessed to, when I rolled out the seven millionth barrel, um, I got my grandson out of school and uh, he helped me roll the seven millionth barrel like I had done with my dad before. And hopefully... Um, 
<laughs> I was telling Mark that uh, Mark was saying, well, you're going to have to do this for the next several years, Freddie. And I'm like my dad. I said, well, how long is that going to take? You know, I'm already 73 years old. You know, I'm like, you know, this ain't going to happen. He said, well, we can always get those little rascal scooters, you know, like they have in Walmart. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But listen, um, I wanted my grandson and my daughter to be here because um, they knew my dad. Um, and I'm not sure if Chrissy got a chance to spend much time with my, with, that would have been her great-grandfather. Um, but you have to understand how important this is. And it's not about me. Um, I'm just a person at Buffalo Trace. I'm just a person at Buffalo Trace. But I cannot thank each of you enough for what you've done for my family. Thank you. So, uh, Mark here is the master distiller for Town Branch. Uh, today, you're going to see Pierce Lyons into the Bourbon Hall of Fame. He passed away in March. Um, what's it like for you and your company to see him in the Hall of Fame? Well, this is a, a I mean, it's a lifetime achievement. I mean, it's fantastic. What, what's sad is he's not here to see, see the progress he, we've done him done him good with with the product and, and his company. Uh, it's really kind of sad that, that he passed on. Uh, one of the healthiest guys I've known ever since I've known him for more than 32 years and uh, just passed away like that. It's kind of sad. But no, we're, we're really looking forward to this. It's a great opportunity for him being introduced into the Bourbon Hall of Fame. Um, it's a good recognition. One thing uh, about Mr. Lyons, he was you know, he he came from nothing and built a three billion dollar company. Exactly. He uh, he started with ten thousand dollars. He got some money from uh, one of his brothers and uh, decided to go off on his own about 1979-1980. Uh, started making some product in his garage and selling it. And before you know it, things started booming and sales were taking off. He had to rent a place. And then uh, a few years later, had to buy our facility on Catnip Hill Road in Nicholasville. And off to the races we went. And it turned into a great success story. Now, the, you've, you just opened a new distillery. Tell us a little bit about the new distillery that you guys just opened. Hey, we just opened up another brewery and distillery in Pikeville, Kentucky. Uh, emphasis on that. Not only provides us with extra production, but it also is an opportunity to give us some visitors coming into eastern Kentucky and Pikeville and uh, try and get some more employment there and probably pull more attractions into that area so they have some more alternative uh, employment and uh, resources other than coal in that area. Well, I saw our next inductee, <clears throat> Dr. Pierce Lines, at a Midway restaurant last September where he and his wife Deidre we're celebrating their anniversary, just as my wife and I had been. With that ever-present gleam in his eye, Dr. Lyons gave me a status update on his new dueling barrels distillery in Pikeville and spoke of his dream that it would help boost the declining coal region and open eastern Kentucky to the boom of bourbon tourism. We promised to meet soon to discuss the timetable for adding dueling barrels to our Kentucky Bourbon Trail tour, joining Alltech's Town Branch Distillery, which was the KDA's first craft member in 2011, and the first stop in Lexington a year later. Of course, when I went to pay my check at the end of our dinner, Dr. Lyons had already picked it up, uh, and being Dr. Lyons, he even added dessert to take home for us for our kids that night. I sent him an email note the next day, 
but I never got to say thanks in person or tell him how much he inspired our industry and our beloved Commonwealth. As you know, Dr. Lyons had heart surgery last November and passed away from complications during his recovery in March at the much too young age of 73. Born in 1944, Pierce Lyons came from five generations of Coopers who supplied barrels to distilleries in Ireland even though both of his parents were teetotalers. The first Irishman received a formal degree in brewing and distilling from the University of Birmingham. Dr. Lyons was first and foremost an entrepreneur and a tireless innovator with a keen scientific mind. In 1999, Dr. Lyons purchased the former Lexington Brewing Company in downtown Lexington to resurrect the city's brewing and distilling tradition that dates back to 1794. The first beer from the new brewery, Alltech Lexington Brewing and Distilling Company, was Kentucky Ale. And as I mentioned earlier, he established Town Branch Distillery, the first new distillery to be built in Lexington for, one, for more than 100 years. And in June, the Dueling Barrels Brewery and Distillery opened in Pikeville and will soon be added to our famous Kentucky Bourbon Trail Tours, just as Dr. Lyon envisioned. Joining us today to speak more about Dr. Lyons is Jerry Summers, who was inducted into the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame last year, who recently retired from, a, from Jim Beam after a distinguished 40-year career, during which time he befriended the dashing Irishman and became one of his closest friends. Please welcome Jerry Summers, the next judge executive of Bullitt County. During the Alltech school, there was a field trip in 1981. We were going to Wild Turkey and to a craft distillery down in Loretta called Maker's Mark. In, the, in this crowded little hot Nissan was myself, Pierce, Bill Cheeks, and Leo Redinger from early times. <clears throat> By the time we got to Lawrenceburg in the late heat in 1981, we were all ringing wet. You have to remember at that time, Nissans were small. Air conditioning was an option, and Pierce wasn't quite paying Bill enough money to have the air conditioning op option in his, in his Nissan. The only thing I remember about the wild turkey visit, to be quite frank with you all, is that they only had a mash cooker. They had no, what I'm going to call, cooling coals, no fermenter coolers. So uh, they, they cooled and mashed in the same uh, mash cooker. Then we were off to Maker's Mark where we met a young man at that time by the name of Bill Samuels. Upon leaving Makers, upon leaving Makers and the return trip home to Lexington, Pierce grilled me on my thoughts about the Makers site. He was always seeking data. My answer, they have a long ways to go, but that Samuels guy, he could sell snow in Alaska. <laughs> As Pierce and I talked on the long hot drive back to Lexington, I realized exactly that Pierce was a scientific genius. He was exactly what our industry needed at that time to lead us to where we are here today. His thorough understanding of fermentation was shared with the bourbon industry. This shared scientific knowledge helped to create the multifaceted flavors of our modern bourbon. So come on in here. So Andy... Andy Shapira, Mac, Max's son. What's it mean to you to see your, your dad in the Bourbon Hall of Fame now? I mean, it, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that they let him in. <laughs> Are you ex Actually, you should be saying you're shocked that he accepted it because he's, he's that never... Is, that is very true. That's very true. They, you know, he's probably upset that he's not in the office right now. So, uh, 
Um, so it, it's going to be, he's going to be really nervous because I'll be here. Kate will be here. Uh, Alan's here. Uh, Master Distillers are here. Everyone's here. So he's so all, actually working. So all he, uh, while he's getting this great award, all he's thinking is like, who's running Heaven Hill? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. What, what's coming on the fax machine and what invoice uh, uh, can he uh, slow pay? Wait now, are you saying that he's a slow pay invoice guy? Of course, of course. Yeah, there was a time I remember hearing that he would actually uh, confirm every invoice that came through the company. Is that true? That's absolutely true. It's still true. He so thinks, he thinks. He thinks. We really give him second day old mail right now. Ah, <laughs> uh, Larry. Larry Cass with with Heaven Hill. Want to grab? Want to grab some time with Larry? Congratulations to you. Uh, you're retiring. I am. I am. You're right. <laughs> you know something I don't know. I am. Yes, I am. Uh, Thirty-six years in in uh, in business, and twenty almost twenty-one in heaven hell. So yes, I am. I'm going to be. Right. So so everybody, Larry Cass is the man behind. He's the man behind the curtain at Heaven Hill. Uh, he basically he's the guy who does everything. But one of my favorite stories about him, he was the brand manager of Rittenhouse, and he's the guy behind all of those 21, 25-year-old single barrels back in the day. Can you just talk a little bit for the, because this is, people who are watching this are, are collectors and they're really into some of those old whiskeys. Tell us a little bit about that time managing Rittenhouse. Well, it was, a, it was an interesting time because uh, those three bottlings were actually a perfect kind of microcosm for the rye market at that time because we actually had about 100 barrels of rye that our distributor had a bulk deal with, our Maryland distributor, not surprisingly, had a bulk deal with us on. They didn't take their full allocation. They let them sit, sit. So they got to be the point where we needed to do something with them. We said, we'll buy them back from you. How's that? They said, okay. And we divided them into three lots and they became the 21, 23, and 25-year-old right now single barrels. So it was that time when people kind of weren't paying that much attention to rye, except we were paying attention to rye, so it was kind of a, a serendipitous uh, opportunity for us to, to do that. I don't know that that would ever happen nowadays, but uh, it was great whiskey, that's for sure. One of the one of the um, one of the things that you and I share, we were, you were very close with Parker Beam. Uh, Parker Beam meant the world to me. You you gave his eulogy uh, at his funeral. What do you think Parker would think about? welcoming Max into not only the Bourbon Hall of Fame, but specifically the Lifetime Achievement Award that's named after him. I'm, I, I'm sure Parker is looking down on this and smiling. You know, Parker and Max were, obviously they were very close. Not only were they just very close because they had to be as the president of the company and the master distiller, but they came up in the company together. I mean, they were pretty much the same age. So they were kindred spirits and, um, you know, they, they came up in the company at the same time together. So. I, I, I'm sure, I, like I say, I don't think that Parker would think this is great. I, Parker is looking down on this and smiling. I know he is. So yeah, give us a give us a Parker and Max story. I'm sure they butted heads a couple times over the accounting and whiskey. Do you got a good story for us? Well, I, the only thing I will say, because Max is right there and might get me in trouble if I say anything else, is that every year Parker would always say to me that they would have a max, this was back in the day, when he and Max would basically get together once a year and figure out how much whiskey they were gonna need. That's now done by about 100 people, but 
Um, but he would tell me they would do that every year. He'd sit down, he'd get up, he'd leave the meeting, and he'd take what Max said and he'd raise it by 20%, no matter what. He said, I don't care what he said, I'd raise it by 20%. So that was the kind of dynamic that they had. You know, they, it was all very serious and everything, but they knew each other so well that they kind of managed each other perfectly. So, hand in glove. Well, when I accepted this fantastic job in, in 2007 from David Hobbs from Heaven Hill, who's here, thank you, David. Um, one of the first things I did was go back and review all the KDA board minute books. And I started with the newest ones first to get up to speed because I knew in a month or so I'd be thrown into a legislative session. And as I studied the pages and pages of meeting notes, one thing became quickly apparent. This Shapira guy knows what he's doing, especially when it comes to marketing and protecting the sanctity of Kentucky bourbon. And when I got to the early 1990s, I noted that Max Shapira was chairman of the KDA board. And at each meeting, he called the directors to order and opened with the same statement. Chairman Shapira reminded the group of the many issues facing the industry and the need for cooperation and attention to those issues. That constant theme of cooperation is a hallmark of Max Shapira's leadership and why he is one of the most legendary stewards of our craft. After spending his childhood growing up in the shadow of his family's Heaven Hill Distillery in Bardstown, Max L. Shapira left to earn his undergraduate degree at Washington Lee University in 1965 and an MBA from Harvard Business School in 1967. He joined his family's company in 1970 as director of corporate planning after spending five years at what is now J.P. Morgan in New York. Shapira became president in 1996 following the death of his uncle George Shapira, the last surviving member of the five founding Shapira brothers. Under Max's leadership, Heaven Hill Brands has undergone steady expansion through internal product development, brand acquisition, and international growth that has taken the company beyond its traditional roots as a bourbon distiller. Heaven Hill now ranks among the leading distilled spirit suppliers in the United States and is the largest independent family-owned and operated company in our signature industry. Even though he has been hesitant in the past to receive much-deserved recognition, we are honored today to salute his outstanding career and lifetime's worth of achievements with the Parker Beam Lifetime Achievement Award. It is safe to say that Kentucky Bourbon would not be enjoying its current success without the exemplary leadership of Max Shapira. Please welcome Don Lux, President and CEO of Luxco, and its new Lux Road Distillery, and a longtime colleague and friend to talk about Max's legacy and lasting impact on our industry. When Eric first called, and he, he started the call, he said, uh, you know, I want to talk to you about this, this, uh, this Hall of Fame lunch. I thought, wow, that's amazing already. We just finished Lux Row, and they're already going to put me in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> this is really cool. They said, no, I have a problem. I've called like eight other executives to speak for Max, and nobody wants to do it. <laughs> he said, so please, you're our newest member. Will you please do that on behalf of Max, since he's been such a longtime friend? So I said, okay, if you'll buy me lunch, I'll do it. <laughs> So here I am. Um, I was trying to think about the first time I met Max. It was probably 35 years ago. Uh, he was in St. Louis meeting with my father to negotiate our bulk whiskey contract. And my dad said, oh, I think you should sit in on this and just listen, because these guys are really good friends of ours. So we went through the whole meeting, and uh, Max left. And I said, okay, Dad, let me get this right. These guys make whiskey for us. He said, yeah. I said, then they loan us money at 3% over what we could probably borrow from a bank to hold that whiskey for us. He said, yeah, that's right. He said, uh, and then they charge us every month, right, to age the whiskey. 
Oh, and then by the way, four years or later when we won it, they charge us again to take it down and, and pour it out for us. I said, so this is how friends treat friends. This should be a really interesting industry <laughs> that I'm about to enter. We bought some brands together over the years. And of course, those brands of which Ezra Brooks and Rebel Yell are part of those brands. Max brought me into both of those deals. And of course, part of the arrangement was that I had to buy all the whiskey from him. So somehow I think I helped him buy all those other brands along the way. We did many deals right down the street here in the old Shapiro Brothers a clothing store, which I think is the Evan Williams experience now. Me and Max and Mark Brown, our, our friend over here, trying to figure out our next move of what brands we were gonna buy to build our, our various organizations. And believe it or not, during one of those meetings, I did see Max buy lunch. Mark will concur, he did. Showed up ham sandwiches and brown bags. He actually did buy lunch for everybody. That was 1999, so it could have been the last time that he actually did that. <laughs> for all of us, there are um, days and times that define each and every one of us. For Max, one of those days was November 7th, 1996. As 70 mile per hour winds stormed across the warehouses, warehouse I caught fire. And the rest, as we say, is history. I remember talking to Max that day and said, it was either that day or the next day, and he told me he just went in an office, went in his office, closed the door, and put his head down and couldn't quite figure out what his next move was going to be. The great part about our industry is within 24 hours, the owners of Jim Beam and Brown Foreman had called Max to help him out and say, we'll make whiskey for you as long as you need it. And the next day, Heaven Hill opened up business as usual, as only our friend Max knows how to do and not let himself get down or ruffled by just about anything. 90,000 barrels of bourbon were lost that day, about 2% of the world's supply at the time. But yet, Max didn't let that stop him. Max and Heaven Hill produced a lot of whiskey for us back then, and, and they still do. And I remember uh, calling my dad to explain to him what happened. And uh, after he asked about Max, he said what any owner would do of a business. He said, well, was it a good fire or a bad fire? I said, well, we're heavily insured. I think it was a really good fire because we were long on whiskey and, whisk and premium whiskey wasn't getting the price it did back then. So nevertheless, um, I think it was a good fire. And I think in the end, the way Max and his, and, and, uh, with uh, Bernheim and his, the way he's rebuilt his organization, it's just uh, amazing how things work out. He's truly one of a kind and a real sweetheart of a guy. He works his ass off, but he expects those around him to do the same, and for that he makes us all a lot better and a lot harder working. All the while being a great husband, father, and now grandfather. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to present to you Mr. Max Shapiro. Don, I think I thank you for those comments. <laughs> Some of what he said is actually true. Some of it, yeah, it's a stretch, a bit stretch, a bit salesman-oriented kind of comment. Anyway, it's an unusual relationship, but it tells a whole lot about what goes on in the industry. It's a three-generation relationship between Don's family and our family. My dad and myself knew his dad, worked with him, of course, we've known Don for many, many years, 
And we now, and now Philip, who's joined their company, a third generation. That just says a whole lot about it. That's on what I would call our customer side of our business, on the supplier side of the business. Look at this guy over here, and Bill Samuels guy. He's a whole lot older than I am, by the way. <laughs> but his parents and my parents were the best of friends when we lived in Bardstown some 50, 60 years ago, over at each other's houses. We've, uh, of course, knew and worked with his dad. Bill and I have been lifelong friends, competitors, uh, and worked together on so many different things. And now Rob, again, a third generation, but on another side of the business. And then I see David Levitch back over there, and that's really only two generations, but David uh, works for Southern Glacier Wine and Spirits, but his dad founded the genesis of that company here in Louisville and was really one of our first distributors, actually put us in business for the first time back in the late 30s, the early 40s. So while that's just a second generation business, boy, do we owe a whole lot to them. And again, one of those unique and unusual and out of the ordinary relationships that you don't find in very many industries, but you find it all the time here in the United States of America in this particular industry. We value them greatly. But the day itself is really uniquely important to me because how would I have ever thought that having fun doing what I do every day could ever result in me being awarded with such a fantastic, fantastic, fantastic fashion? The many individuals along the way have uh, come up to me and said, Max, you really work real hard. And I have to tell them, I've never worked a day in my life. I say, what are you talking about? You're in the office all the time, Friday, Saturdays, all the day, whatever. I said, I've never worked a day in life because when you enjoy what you're doing, when you love what you're doing, it's not work. It's fun. You always find yourself looking forward to the next day, never backwards, always forward. So this is a unique and highly valued honor to receive the Parker Beam Lifetime Achievement Award. Who would have thought this could ever have been possible? But it's a professional privilege uh, to be recognized by the industry in a, in a category that is so part of the DNA of our company. But perhaps most notably and perhaps most importantly, it's a personal privilege of mine to receive this award, which recognizes the legacy of our longtime master distiller, Parker Bean. Uh, we certainly all miss Parker tremendously, but we appreciate this opportunity to nurture that legacy through the award, through our own Parker's Heritage Whiskey Collection, and to the many donations that have been made to, LS, to ALS Research and Care uh, in his name. But of course, everybody always asks me, What's the most important thing that you've done at the company in all of your history with it? And I say, that's the easiest question that anybody could ask me. It's getting a third generation of dedicated, highly accomplished, highly professional family members as a part of our uh, next generation of leadership. And all three of them are sitting here in the front row. My son, Andy, my son-in-law, Alan, 
and my daughter, Kate. All three of these are highly talented, hugely passionate, love the industry, and have high uh, senior positions in the company. And I am absolutely confident that the company is in absolutely great hands as we go forward in the future. Oh, and by the way, this is not some retirement speech. <laughs> so, I, so I may said all of that, but I'm gonna be around. And this, wait a minute, and one other thing, this might be a lifetime achievement award, but we've got more achieving to do and I hope to, <laughs> and I hope to be there doing all that, doing all that, doing some of that achieving. But uh, let me sort of close here. Uh, we take really great pride as being a leading distiller in the heart of Kentucky. But all of this would have only happened in America. The inter free enterprise system flourishes and triumphs in so many different ways, and we all depend on its success. We are all involved in this no matter what we do, and we all, again, depend on its success. The rich traditions of this industry are deeply, deeply embedded as part of our country and part of our country and its history. These rich traditions are a fabric of what we are involved with. So as a uniquely American success story rooted in family and above all else, independence, and now into our 83 years of history, I am proud of the role that we've played. But again, that's all history. When that, you know, history is in the past. What we are all looking for is the future, and that's what this is all about. I only see great things for this unbelievable, iconic American industry, the Kentucky bourbon industry, as we go forth in the years ahead. Again, thanks, Eric. Thanks to everyone who's attended here. Thanks for your support from so many people over the course of the years. I appreciate everything that you all have done. Thank you all. Thank you.